Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman Podcast. Superman was created by Drum Siegel and Joe Schuster. Hi, I'm Stephen Biscotti. And I'm Justin Candelaria. And you're listening to The, the Saturday, Saturday Morning Superman, Superman Show. Show. Uh, we're at the Main Man Part 2. Uh, this episode aired on November 16th. It followed the Main Man Part 1, of course. It was written by Paul Dini and Dan Reba and concludes our introduction to Superman's first encounter with the last Zarnian, the scourge of the cosmos, the main man himself, Lobo. Uh, without further word, uh, let's hear from Dan Gottlieb. The Saturday Morning Superman Show is brought to you in part by Royal Collectibles. Your friendly neighborhood comic book shop located in Forest Hills, Queens, New York. Offering some of the best in pop culture needs and collectibles. The Saturday Morning Superman Show is, of course, a podcast about Superman in animation across generations. If you're just tuning in now, uh, we're glad to have you. And I want to know, why are you starting at the Main Man Part 2? You should be starting at the Main Man Part 1. But if you've been following all along, if you've been... Binge, binging all of our episodes, or if you if you've just been you know following you know week to week, we're really glad to have you, and uh, we are looking forward to really getting into the Main Man Part Two, which is considerably a more action-packed episode than the first. Yeah, I think that uh, Stephen bringing up, like, why are people on this episode, listening to the episode, you haven't listened to the part one? Well, the fact is, you better not be a person who skipped every, every single episode up until this one. You better have listened from <laughs> the teaser and then all the way through. Yeah, uh, we've been really having a lot of fun doing the Saturday Morning Superman show. And uh, I, again, you know, we, we were talking about it for a little while, but uh, the show came together really so, so fast. And what started as a conversation about it in May, we then started recording in June, and uh, we're nearly done, and uh, July's um, not, you know, just really has just only begun. Uh, so it's a, it's a lot of fun, we're having a great time, and if you're listening, if you're tuning in, and you feel like giving us a review, please give us a review, and think about subscribing, and sharing, and continually uh, supporting us just by listening. To the show, uh, you can of course find Saturday Morning Superman Show on uh, Twitter and Instagram. But the Main Man Part 1 picks up uh, immediately where the Main Man Part 1 left off, where uh, the last Sarnian himself is now uh, trapped with uh, Superman in uh, the Preserver's uh, intergalactic cosmic zoo. Uh, zoo. And uh, we're going to have to see our... You know, is Superman going to be able to team up with Lobo? Are they going to be able to work together to escape? You know, are they going to be trapped forever? And is this it for uh, Superman, the Man of Steel, and uh, Lobo, uh, the last Sarnian? Uh, We'll just have to find out. Yeah, and uh, this is actually the first episode, too, where we had a recap since the last Son of Krypton parts, I believe so. And um, it opens up with, Emperor Sludge, you know, the Sludge. Jabba the... Oh, Splooge. Oh, 
Where am I getting Sludge from? But he looks like Sludge. He, he, it, I mean, and he looks like Jabba the Hutt, uh, Clayface, and uh, Thanos. He's got a chin like Thanos. He, he's got a body like Clayface, and he's got a shape like Jabba the Hutt. Does that mean he's a Balchinian? And he's uh, voiced by Richard Mall, who was also the voice of Killer Croc on Batman the Animated Series, and of course, you uh, many of you might remember him from Night Court. So. We get back to Superman. Well, the Preserver was so nice enough to give Superman back his uh his costume, in which I actually like it how he says uniform, because just like when he says it there, he's like, this is a job for him. This is a job for Superman, like what he does when he's like, oh, thank you for giving me back my uniform. So it's like, this is like an everyday thing for him. Like, yeah, he doesn't get paid, of course, but a job to anybody is something that's like your responsibility. It's kind of like how... I would say for us, like doing this show, I mean, this is what we're doing in terms of like career wise for our show. Not only that, but also for fun. And for Superman, it's the same thing. So it's kind of like relation a little bit. So we see Lobo in uh, his prison and he's surrounded by these two uh, uh, robots. They're like these (laughs) punk rock uh, looking chicks. Uh, they were designed by uh, by uh, Dan Rebin, uh, Paul Dini. And um, it's funny because you see Lobo perfectly uh, at ease in his prison. And he doesn't really mind it until he starts to realize, like, no, wait a second, like, I'm trapped. And then uh, the robots, their, uh, their mouths uh, split open and they release, like, this uh, knockout gas on him. And it's a really freaky addition to... Um, to uh to this uh particular sequence and uh in the commentary that Paul Dini, Dan Reba, Bruce Tim, and Glenn Murakami had done for this particular episode, they had made mention that it was a very unsettling uh animation. And it really is, it's kind of freaky. <laughs> uh but it's funny because you also see within Lobo's um uh containment uh housing, uh there's a poster for I guess a band called Kiz, K-I-Z-Z, which is definitely supposed to be uh, Kiss. That'd be very interesting to listen to the space version of uh, Kiss. Kiz, you know, now now I feel like uh, they should have made a guest appearance. I'd like to believe that, like, Kiz is, like, like if you go into, like, the world of that, of Superman animated series, it's, like, exactly the oh, same Oh, it's just guys. the same thing? Yeah, and it's just, like, it's ZZ instead of, like, SS. Oh, I thought it was just a space version, but <laughs> <laughs> those would be very cool, but... But, uh, yeah, we see uh, Superman, uh, he has to use, like, uh, like, this piece of glass to shine, like, light on this, like, alien triceratops' eyes to, uh, to basically, um... Trick him to ring. Trick him to, like run through like the containment unit so he could break out and i like that superman uh he apologizes while he's doing it and i like that idea that like yeah he knows like he has to hurt like the like this alien triceratops excuse me Mm -hmm. just for a little bit but like he doesn't really want to do it and he knows like he's not going to really hurt him but like he still like is so you know proper and uh it's that big blue boy scout you know in him that like he does have to apologize and it serves as a wonderful contrast to Lobo because Lobo's this big, uh, vile, rude, you know, very offensive character, and he couldn't be 
more different than Superman, um, but uh, I love the way that they have to come together in the episode, and I like seeing Lobo and Superman uh, work alongside one another as opposed to them being at odds. Yeah, I think whenever you have like an episode where you have like two opposites like working together, like seeing their chemistry, like usually most of the time the chemistry like will work because you have two opposites like Lobo's, you know, very anti-hero-ish, you know, not really want to help anybody else but himself. He's always out for himself. And then Superman is always out to help everybody. And, you know, it's, it's just so great seeing um, two characters like this just work together with each other. Which right here was actually surprised me at first that he was going to leave Lobo in his cage to these two uh, robot chicks. Um, but then as soon as Lobo says what he will do to Earth if he didn't let him out, uh, that's when he goes right back to them. Which I was actually surprised that it took him to actually say that for him to come back and save him. I like how Superman just has to hit the glass a few times and he knocks <laughs> him out and... Again, you know, I, I, I've said it like time and time again, what, what I love about the animation of Superman, the animated series, is that uh, the designs are very simplistic. You know, there's not a lot of detail to the costuming, to uh, to, to the look, you know, of, of like this world, but it's very colorful and it's very big and it's very, uh, you know, stylistically impressive in, in its simplicity. And I like where you see Superman in this depicted more as like this, uh, you know, like this classic kind of like power lifter strongman figure, as opposed to like in the comic books where, you know, if you have like Ed McGuinness, he's definitely like, you know, uh, a little more muscular and, you know, ripped, you know, whereas like Superman here is just more of like, you know, like he has like the body of a power lifter. And I like the idea of Superman just being this big, powerful um, being. It, it works really, really well in animation. Uh, I'd also like to point out that as Lobo and Superman escape, uh, are escaping uh, the Preserver's um, holding facility, there are uh, little Easter eggs within uh, the containment units, uh, one of them being the alien Starro, who uh, many of you, uh, I would hope, would fondly remember being a big bad of the Justice League going back to the original Justice League uh, run of comic books. Yeah, you probably have to, like, update me on that history because I never heard of Starro until this episode. <laughs> I was yeah, like, Starro's a, star- a pretty big deal in a, DC. A starfish alien thing being a villain? In, the- uh, on, in Royal Collectibles, we have these uh, short boxes that uh, have comic book artwork on them, so they're different than your local, your, your standard, you know, like, long box and short box where it's just, like, white. And so they have, like, designs for, like, X-Men and Batman and Walking Dead and all of that. And there's a Justice League box that we have, and Starro's on it. And he's attacking, like, all, like, the Justice League members. And it was a little while ago, uh, there was a DC Direct statue, I believe, and it was of Starro. And, like, the Justice League all trying to fight him. I think... And uh, Starro's a pretty uh, funny character, but a very important character within the DC universe. I think DC has, like, some of the most craziest, uh, villains out there compared to, like, you know, other, uh, comic book series. Like, cause, like, Shazam came out recently, and you had, um, okay, I, you know, you should have seen it, but spoiler alert, you know, Mr. Mine is a talking cal- alien caterpillar, and uh, Shazam is a villain, so like seeing a caterpillar and then seeing a uh, oct- not octopus, starfish, I'm not really surprised that that will be a villain in uh, DC because at the po- at this point 
nothing could shock it's me cool anymore. because it's uh it really owes a lot to that like really cool you know uh science fiction space you know it, it was these characters all like were a little before like the space age and stuff but you know it's that very cool like pulp era science fiction stuff where you have like flash gordon flying through space and encountering all these different aliens and you could see how like you know like they really pay tribute to a lot of like what made dc comics so fun for you know a whole generation you know before us and and my these were the characters that my grandfather you know and many other people's grandparents grew up with and these were like the first bad guys Mm -hmm. that they watched their superheroes fight and it's almost it's absolutely mythological because you have like Hercules doing these different feats of strength and it's kind of like, okay, what can we put the Justice League up against? What can we put Shazam up against? And it's just like that magic of, you know, you're a kid reading a comic book and you see your hero like Shazam or like the Justice League going up against these like very outrageous characters and your eyes just light up because it's... uh <laughs> It's, you know, to borrow, you know, the title from Marvel, it's it's really amazing fantasy. It's yeah. just fantasy at its most pure and, and it's a lot of fun. And, and I'm really glad that the animators definitely pay tribute to it in the animated series and that we get to talk about it because it does mean a lot to so many people. And, you know, whether you like Marvel or whether you like DC, I think everyone could admit that, you know, that the power of comic books has, you know, a great, uh, it, you know, it, it inspires so many and it's, it's a lot of fun stuff. And it inspires, you know, not just like in comic books, but also leads, when it leads to animation, it inspires uh, design a lot. So like the snake that uh, they just fought in the episode, you know, just ripping off the skin, like seeing what's underneath the skin, what happens when Lobo, you know, really just like destroys a snake's like, you know, violations and stuff like that it's it's very interesting and even the commentators said they kind of like that was disgusting you know for kids show and stuff like that yeah it was uh it it, i i like that scene because it reminds me a lot of like the star wars trash compactor scene oh yeah with in in episode six yeah when uh when in like a new hope when um when like luke uh not episode six what am i saying in episode four when uh when luke han and like all of them are in like that trash compactor compactor. and it has that vibe where like lobo and superman they fall into like this pit and all of a sudden they realize like there's something in there with them (laughs) but um we we then see like the other aliens they come for lobo and uh you know they're trying to come after lobo and superman and him they're you know they're just fighting their way out and uh superman you know, and, and Lobo, like, they team up, and it's a little, like, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid where, you know, it's, like, this really kind of fun uh, tongue-in-cheek partnership, and and yeah. I like it. I like seeing them work together. But they don't die in the end, like, Butch Cassidy and Sundance no, Kid. No, no, they definitely don't. They definitely they don't. They don't. Unless you want to believe that Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid survived, and, like, when, like, the screen <laughs> freezes, it's just kind of like, all right, like, they don't get, like, they don't go down in, like, a, a gunfire, but, like... You I'm know. pretty sure they just put on God mode with all those like hired yeah. guns outside, just looking at them. But uh, the music's really good too, in in this. Uh, oh, that's right, David. Yeah, this particular episode is uh, done by uh, Harvey R. Cohen, and he did uh, the music for the Main Man Part One and Part Two. Uh, the Main Man definitely has more of like a hard rock, uh, heavy guitar sound, and uh, aspect uh, that we didn't point out in the main man part one was uh when superman's chasing after lobo 
you have the Superman theme mixed with Lobo's theme and it just it works it sounds uh, very well and to be honest like um, I actually like it a lot more than hearing the Superman theme alone I don't know it's just like it just that mix yeah it kind of reminds me a lot of like Hans Zimmer's like Man of Steel theme where you have orchestra but with like you know like a more fun tone yeah and there's like a steel pedal guitar you know there's the guitar Mm -hmm. there's the drums and uh, it works and I love Lobo's uh, score or his like motif a lot more than Superman's like alone, but then them mixed together is a good like duo, good duo to mix together. And I, I, you know, I was going to bring this up. It's funny how Lobo went to go get his bounty. The little guy with the eyeball face eye he went to go get his bounty to collect um, while they're escaping. And Superman says nothing and does nothing when he like, he's just carrying around this little guy that he's going to bring in for some money for some payment that does not want to go with him. So I'm just shocked that Superman did not, you know, like, step in just saying, you can't take him, or you can't, you know, bring him to whatever you're doing. Like, he doesn't want to go. You take him against his will or something like that. Yeah, I like, um, you know, it, it's interesting seeing Superman with a lot of these other characters because up to now, uh, Superman's interaction with other aliens is very minimal. I mean, you could, of course, count Superman's interaction with humans who are alien to him, uh, but he's already been on the planet, I think, for, like, 27 or, like, 20... Like, at this point in time, I think he's, like, 27 or 28. Yeah. And uh, they even make reference to that in Superman Adventures, the comic book series. They specifically cite his age in the comic book, uh, which they never do in in this uh, program. Uh, But I like that you see Superman starting to realize that he's part of uh, bigger a bigger cosmic universe. And, and um, again, uh, uh, something that I, that I really enjoy about these like last few episodes of Superman animated series season one is that you could see that they're starting to lead up to like the bigger ideas. And through mm-hmm. Lobo, uh, that's like the doorway to more of like the cosmic side of DC. And like you're on board with Lobo and, and Splooge and, all of these weird aliens and then it's kind of like okay like by the time you get to fourth world and all that like jack kirby like new gods and dark side stuff like you're completely on board with it and you can believe that okay in this universe there's like aliens throughout the whole galaxy Mm -hmm. and um i just like also that um you begin to see superman uh really collaborate and team up with someone and it's not very much just superman but it's superman and lobo and the preserver, though, I think yeah. is a big shock because he goes from being like this little little alien to where he yeah. rips out of his skin and he looks like uh, he he like, kind of like the molten man, I guess, from like Spider Man Far From Home. So honestly, like it reminded me of Pokemon for some reason. It's like, oh, he stepped in his evolution or something like that. Like, yeah, it was very shocking. Like it's his, like a, he looks form. like a very uh, bigger, more aggressive version of like Gossamer from uh, the Looney Tunes. They said, yeah, I remember they said uh, in the commentation that it looks like something off Teen Titans. And I believe they were, they were talking about the the Teen Titans animated show that was on Cartoon Network, I believe. Is that the one they were talking about? Yes. Yeah, so like, it, it did remind me a lot of that. I was like, I wonder why the, uh, the look for him looks kind of like, you know, something I used to watch like back back when I was little. And I really like his design. It's like very like bright red with like uh, the white long claws. And it's very different from the egghead we had of him uh, before he kind of ripped out of his yeah, skin. Yeah, I, I like the way they staged it because you, you have 
the the like the small version of Preserver, and you think like, oh, he's like this like little like nothing, and Lobo and Superman will be able to stop him with no problem. But now you have uh, Superman and Lobo, you know, having to team up against like this much bigger threat, and it kind of also feels like the ending of like a boss battle where like you know <laughs> this is the boss that you're fighting, and uh, there there were uh, two uh, Superman video games, of course, Superman sixty four, oh, and then there was Superman a Shadow of Apocalypse. And Shadow of Apocalypse I like a lot, and I feel like the Preserver could have worked very well as, like, a boss level in that game. Um, and it's really cool to see Superman and Lobo in scales with the Preserver because you see just how large the Preserver is now and just how small Lobo is. And uh, how else uh, does Lobo and Superman stop the Preserver in this big, you know, god-like mode kind of, uh, you know... Uh, size that he's at but they take a page out of uh alien Alien. and aliens yeah i feel like they didn't even on the commentary it sounded like they didn't even realize that you know they just did alien right there and then they're like oh look alien and then you know it's it's funny how like some sometimes when you're just like coming up with these ideas that you just accidentally just do a callback to like one of your favorite movies yeah and i think that's the thing you know when when you think a lot about like writing and, and when you're creating something you know, we're all influenced by the things we enjoy and uh, we all take different things from different places that really inspire us. So I think, you know, when you're creating something original, yeah, it's original, but there's always going to be a little flavor of something else in there. And and I think that's kind of what makes it fun because like for us to have the opportunity to tell a story, you're naturally building on something that came before it. And uh, the main man part one and, and part two, they're, they're a great way to build on Lobo from the comic books, but also introduce him uh, for the first time on screen, and mm-hmm. and they definitely uh, started to pave the way to to what we have now. Uh, but the main man part two ends uh, with Lobo hanging out in a really cutting edge Hawaiian t shirt, enjoying himself. He's talking to Richard Mall's Emperor Splooge, and like <laughs> Splooge is like, oh, like you know, he mentioned Superman, and uh, Lobo makes a passing joke about Superman, and uh, just like his character, really. And what do you see but Superman returning to the Fortress of Solitude yet again? And every single alien that the Preserver had is now safe uh, at home in the Fortress. And it looks like they're living in a more sort of uh, harmonious way than before. Oh. And it's a cool way to end it, you know, on Superman with the Fortress. I want to know who his contractor is, to be honest, because 
I don't know if he took the time to make those stairs and everything in there and to bring the computer in and also like bring like how much time did he have on his hands? Like, who did he bring in? Did he bring in Jimmy? Yeah, it's an interesting thing because, like, you look at, like, the structure of everything and definitely had to be built, and it's like, okay, like, I'm guessing, like, some of that stuff's from, like, Star Labs, <laughs> but, like, was he using his heat vision to kind of, like, carve out the ice and then freeze breath to... It's something that, like, you know, it's, again, what we love about cartoons that, like, there's so much added to it, and, like, if you really start to think about it, it's like, well, I really wonder, like, how they did it, but, uh... That does it for uh, the main man, uh, part one and part two. So if you've been listening, uh, thanks for waiting a whole week for us to conclude this episode. Uh, We really, really hoped you like uh, our commentary and our take on uh, the main man part two. Justin, I know this is a character that uh, that that you really love and and Mm -hmm. an episode uh, episodes that you were really looking forward to. So um, how about you take it away and just like tell us what you liked and. I think a lot of people love to hear your uh, take. I mean, these are my absolute favorite uh, two episodes out of the season now, or like by far from what we watched, mainly because of just how much fun it was, like watching them kind of felt like I was watching the Orville in a way, you know, just sci-fi adventurous, having fun while also, you know, having its serious tones at times. And it was just really great to watch and really great to watch Lobo in a different form than what I've seen on, uh, you know, in the, you know, in the Krypton and then other forms I see from him, like in Justice, like in the comics and some comics, you know, this form of him in animation I've never seen before. And they did it. They did him very well. They did him very well. I really liked how they did for him, like, you know, keeping him, you know, that more comedic, that, you know that Lobo style of like R-rated, but not too close to R-rated for the uh, animation. You know, with some restrictions, but those those restrictions worked, and those restrictions worked in terms of comedy. And I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed them both a lot, and uh, I'm pretty sure I would want to watch these two episodes again, like almost at any time, just to enjoy you know a crack out of Lobo every here and there because he got me a lot of the times in the episode. Justin, where can we find you? You can find me at Justin Candelaria on Instagram and Prime Critic Entertainment on Instagram and Twitter. What the devil? What the devil? <laughs> <laughs> and you can find me at Sherbert Downey Jr. on Instagram. And you can find me on Twitter at ReggieMantleIII. Uh, the Saturday Morning Superman Show, of course, can be found on social media as well at the Saturday Morning Superman Show. Of course, all of this will be in the show notes. Uh, in case you want to find us and follow us and speak to us about what you like, what we're doing, maybe stuff that you don't like. Again, um, maybe there's something that we missed in the episode or something that you read or remember that uh, that we failed to bring up, and we'd love to hear it. Uh, because Saturday Morning Superman Show uh, is a show about Superman in animation across generations, and uh, in order for it to work, you know, we want it to be uh, as good as it can be, and we want you to enjoy it as much as possible. So... If you're listening, uh, you know, thank you. If you're uh, if you're just tuning in, thank you. We we invite you to go back and, and listen to um, more of what we've recorded. Uh, that just about does it uh, for us today. Uh, so just and go out, enjoy, be peaceful, and we'll see you next week. The Saturday Morning Superman Show is brought to you in part by Royal Collectibles. Your friendly neighborhood comic book shop located in Forest Hills, Queens, New York. 
offering some of the best in pop culture needs and collectibles.